Think about it that way. If you save one meeting for a team of 10, that's 500 hours a year productivity you just saved because everybody can go do something else during that time. If you were only focused on optimizing your time, you'd have to save yourself 10 hours a week for a year in order to be in the same place. Welcome to the Creating High Performing Teams podcast. Our goal is to be the most actionable podcast on leadership and management you ever heard. We want you to walk away knowing exactly what you can do to be a better manager every time you listen. I'm your host, Jason Evanish, the CEO of Lighthouse. And today we've got a great episode for you talking about the most important skills you need to learn as a manager and how you can start to build them. I'm your host, Jason Evanish, CEO of Lighthouse. And let's dig in. So what are the most important skills to learn as a manager? Well, there's three key skills that you really need to master. They are developing your soft skills. They are teaching time management skills to yourself and your team. And developing a growth mindset for yourself and your team. But those are very high level. So let's actually dig into both what those are, what they mean, and how you can work on them. So first, if you're developing soft skills, there are three ways to do that that are really important. The first is you need to have effective one-on-ones because that's a key point of communication for you and your team. Second thing is you need to be a more effective listener because if you can't hear what's going on around you and your team doesn't think you listen to them, then nothing's going to work. And then the third one is you need to learn how to get buy-in because you're going to make changes at different points as a leader. You're going to have tough changes. You need to get people to want to support. And the only way to do that is get the buy-in of your team because no one likes working for a dictator. So first, let's talk about effective one-on-ones. These should be motivating and something you and your team member really enjoy. They're not status updates. You need to get those a different way. There are way better ways to find out how a project's going that don't eat up so much of your time as one-on-ones. Because think about it. Let's say you have a team of five. If you use your one-on-ones for status updates, then on a one-on-one basis, you're going to get updates on five pieces of the project. And anytime anything comes up where you have a question for someone else or you wish someone else on the team knew it, now you have to route all that information yourself manually. And that's really inefficient. That makes you a bottleneck for information. Versus if you have everybody post all their updates every morning, in a stand-up on Slack or MS Teams, or you have a project management tool that your team is bought into and uses, then you have a central place to go and see what's going on. That way, if you are talking about a project in a one-on-one, it's a coaching moment. It's feedback and support. It's not, what is the state of this? And so instead of having a status update in your one-on-one, what should you talk about? Well, you should be asking the right questions. Those would be talking about things like how to improve the team or the company. You know, what meetings are we wasting on? If you were the CEO, what would you change tomorrow? Those sorts of things can reveal all kinds of helpful insights to improve your team and the company. And you'll see lots and lots of great stories from great companies about how the best ideas come from the most unlikeliest of places. Uh, Like you've probably heard about the Toyota production system where even the lowest level staffers on the assembly line can smash that stop button and call out a problem or an idea or something they see. Or uh, you probably heard about the, the spicy fire Cheetos guy, which was, I believe, a janitor or some, someone very, very low level in the company had the idea. And so you never know where those ideas will come from, but you have to ask. It's much rarer if you make it hard for them to bring it up. And of course, that's not the only thing to talk about, though. You can also build rapport and trust, which is the foundation of a good relationship with your team. 
you could talk about their career growth because if your people aren't growing, your best people are going to feel stagnant and leave. And your weaker people will not get stronger without career growth conversations. And then there are things like, you know, in a world like COVID today, remote work survival is important. Your extroverts may be starving and your introverts may feel out of the loop. And regardless of the situation, you want to have conversations about them to try and figure out what's going on. You'll also want to do things like crisis leadership. If your company is on the rocks, then you need to be transparent with your team on what they need to do and how they can help and engage them in the process of potentially having ideas that could save the company. You never know who may have a money-making idea or a way to induce cost savings or any number of things that could save the company in addition to make them understand more why say there's no raises this year or someone has to take a pay cut or why layoffs are coming all those things become easier if you are having regular trans uh, regular conversations with your team now once you have those one-on-ones you have to listen and that means being an effective listener people want to feel heard and you need to uncover those real insights they have to share And you do that by being a real listener. And what does that mean? It means practicing active listening skills. It means that you pay attention, undistracted, put that phone down, mute your notifications, whatever it takes so you can focus on them. And what you're doing then is you're asking follow-up and clarifying questions until you feel like you understand. And then you're taking what you heard from them and putting it into your own words, saying, hey, I think this is what you're saying to me. Do you agree with that? Seeing they say yes, awesome. If not, you've just learned something valuable that you were going to miss otherwise. Also important to keep in mind is what and how questions. Like, how did that happen? Uh, What made you decide to do that? What were the circumstances that led to that? What do you think of? All those what and how questions are great ways to get people not just to say yes or no, but instead to expand on an issue, paint the full picture for you, and in a non-accusatory tone. Notice I said what and how, not why. And so asking those follow-up questions and practicing speaking back what you think you heard to them is a great way to become a better listener. And it's a very important skill as a manager because you're going to be listening to a lot of different people, whether it's clarifying something with your boss or trying to get your team uh, moving forward in the right direction or learning something from them. And then that last part of your soft skills that's super important is that idea of buy-in. You cannot just come in and say, hey, I'm in the boss. You need to do what I say that'll work maybe one or two times and then your team will start to resent you and you'll wonder why. So what you really need to do is learn to persuade them and listen to their ideas. So, you know, let's say your company has a big shift coming. You're going to be changing priorities or maybe you're a sales leader and the commission structure is about to dramatically change. Well, you need to do your part to get your team bought in on that. And so, The way you might approach that is to talk to some of the more trusted, longer tenured people on your team or everyone if you're allowed to. If you're not, then talk to a few. And you talk to them in private, again, one-on-one. This is another thing you can talk about in your one-on-one meetings. But the idea is that you can talk to them in private about something. And then you want to listen. Where do they bristle? Where are they concerned? What questions do they ask you? All of those things are going to help you better understand what it's going to take to get other people on board. Because what convinced one person individually in private You do that a few times, you're going to understand what it takes to get the whole group on board. And most importantly, you should tweak the idea you have based on what they tell you and learn what those frequently asked questions are so that maybe when you present this to a larger group, you already have the three biggest questions answered and you may have tweaked the idea just enough to make it much more palatable to the team. And it stacks the deck in your favor because now you know you at least have a couple people in the room who will at least begrudgingly, if not fully, support what you're doing, 
which uh, if you know, you've ever seen uh, like the old movie Spartacus where everyone's like, I'm Spartacus. Well, that's the idea of starting a movement. If you get a couple people on board, it makes a big deal. And so it will strengthen your argument. It'll get people more bought in, but it, that is a skill to learn. And learning to sense, ooh, that person seems a little nervous about that. I should talk specifically to them because they seem like the, the harshest critic or the greatest skeptic on this. That sort of spidey sense is something you develop over time when you embrace the idea that getting support and buy-in is a process and something you have to listen to your team for. Mastering your skills as a leader to have good soft skills involves listening, asking good questions, and using your one-on-ones effectively. But that's not the only thing you need to master. The next thing you need to master is teaching you and your team time management skills. Because as a leader, you need to manage your energy and stay positive, and you need to become a multiplier by investing in the abilities of your team. Because remember, if you're a multiplier, if you're a leader, it's no longer about your time. It's about making your team effective. Think about how saving one team meeting a week for a team of 10 is 10 hours a week or 500 hours a year of productivity. Think about it that way. If you save one meeting for a team of 10, that's 500 hours a year productivity you just saved because everybody can go do something else during that time. If you were only focused on optimizing your time, it would you'd have to save yourself 10 hours a week for a year in order to be in the same place. And so realize how much more leverage you have. You know, Think, think about uh, one of our upcoming episodes is going to be uh, actually with an expert on leverage, Eric Jorgensen, talking about how you can find these leverage opportunities and you just you have to recognize that an improvement for a number of people on your team is going to be greater than anything you do to optimize yourself. And so how do you become how do you become a multiplier? Well, we'll talk more about leverage in the episode with Eric Jorgensen, but in the meantime, things you can start to think about are what are blockers and frustrations affecting your team? Those are going to drain motivation. They're going to make people not want to work as hard. They're going to literally maybe have someone stuck sitting on their hands not being able to do anything until something's ready. You want to find out what those things are. Then you want to train and grow your people. We talked about it already. Your one-on-one is a great time to talk about their growth. If they're actually learning new skills, then they can do new things. And if they do new things or do them better, that unlocks your whole team because maybe now one person on your team isn't the only expert at something. So now two people can do it and that removes a bottleneck in your process. Or maybe their new growth and skills take somebody who is a weak performer and makes them a solid performer in a key area so that now they're not slowing the rest of the team down. Whatever the reasoning is, growing your people is a great way to multiply them because you're going to have them be more productive and more effective. And of course, another way to be a multiplier is to improve your recruiting process. We're going to have two episodes later this season talking about that. But the best way you can think about it for right now is that a better process means you have better candidates because when you frustrate people in the interview process, you lose really good people. They're also going to lead to better outcomes because you're going to hire more of the right people and less time wasted because either A, you're going to waste time because you hire someone and then they don't work out and you're back out there recruiting again. Or if you don't have a good process, you can run too many people through too long a process and that wastes you and your team's time. So either way, it's a high leverage thing to have really good recruiting, much like it is to remove blockers and frustration and train your people. Now, another underrated skill as a manager is to learn how to manage your energy levels and your positivity. Why does that matter? Well, there's a study from Gallup that shows that the engagement and motivation and morale of a manager trickles down to their team. So your attitude affects your team's attitude, just like your boss's attitude changes how you feel. If you've ever had a terrible boss who's kind of a jerk, you understand how 
that would affect you. Or if they were just, you know, a wet blanket and had a negative attitude, it was hard for you to stay positive. So you want to manage your mindset because you need to many ways be a positive cheerleader, even if you're trying to lead your team in a very open and frank way through a tough time. And so whether you're putting on a strong face or just trying to make sure everybody stays motivated through a challenging, challenging project or a great project, um, you need to realize that your mindset is going to affect the rest of your team. And so how can you do that? Well, it starts with things like mind, mindfulness, you know, just being aware, taking time, sitting back and like, how did I do in that meeting? You know, was I positive enough? Did I praise the right people? Uh, did I jump too hard on anybody? Taking a step back and reflecting on yourself is one of the best ways you can improve. Another way you can do it is to take walks and breaks. There are times where just you've been grinding and you're, you're fried. Don't push through. Instead, say, you know what? I'm going to go take a walk or I'm going to go play with my kid. I'm going to take my dog for a walk. I'm going to go work out. Whatever it is that recharges you, it's a good thing if a 20-minute break completely renews you. You know, Especially with COVID changing everybody's work structure because everybody works from home now and some are returning to the office. Be conscious of your routines and figure out what works for you and tweak and experiment until you find the things that work best and you know, catch yourself when you're like, oh man, I'm getting drained. I should go get some green tea or I need another cup of coffee or I should go take a walk or man, that's too many back-to-back meetings. I should put a break in there. And then of course you can try things like meditation um, or other positivity exercises like a gratitude journal where at the end of each day you write down three things you're grateful for. Uh, one of the things I love to do with that is instead of it being just three random things, for each day of the week, do something different. So on Monday, something grateful about your job. On Tuesday, it's something grateful about your team. On Wednesday, something grateful about your family and so on. And each day, it's a different topic. But what that will do is uh, raise your positivity across everything in your life because you're reflecting on something positive for all of them. And then the third category, now that we've, now that we've conquered time management skills and being a multiplier, the third category of skills as a manager you want to work on is your growth mindset. Because if you don't believe people can grow and change, if you don't believe you can grow and change, you're going to be a terrible manager. Because the fact is, becoming a manager is a career change. And the challenges you face are different and greater at every level. So if you start out as a manager of individual contributors or ICs, you will find when you start managing managers, it is a whole new set of skills to master. And then when you're a director or a VP or you run a whole department or you're a GM or you start your own business, you're going to learn that every time there's a new learning curve and you have to believe that you can learn those skills and the people that work for you can learn new skills as well. And so how do you develop that growth mindset? Well, you can become a regular reader and learner. You can become a coach for your team. And you can become better at identifying future leaders. Those are all things that will help really make your growth mindset ironclad. So first and foremost, how can you learn best as a leader? Well, you need to ask yourself that. And I think one of the best things you can do is become a regular regular reader. We have a great episode coming up later in the season with Mike Pretlove where he talks about, in his experience, reading and listening to books was transformative for his career. And I know it has been for me as well. I started reading books on the subway very early in my career when I was in transit uh, to work in Boston. And I kept that habit in every other city I've lived. And now, now that I live in Austin, Texas, and I don't have a commute, I instead take the time to wind down every day by reading reading a book. And usually it's to learn a new skill. And it's just transformed my career. I've read over 200 books now. It's about 25 a year. So it's about one every two weeks. And you'd be surprised what you can learn and how you can connect with other great leaders, finding out what they like to read. That way you don't read any of those stinker books that are like 250 pages that could have been a blog post. There are a lot of great books that are much better than that that you can read instead. 
And when you start doing that, you'll start to realize that you can level up more and more. So the best ways for you to become a regular learner is to become a hungry learner and read great leadership books, read great books in your field to become better. Um, some of the classics in leadership I recommend to every single manager and have bought as gifts for many leaders. How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. I'm literally rereading it for the ninth time uh, right now. Why? Because it's so good and it's such a good refresher on just key basic skills and it will help you like in the earlier area we talked about with soft skills. And then the other one that's the perfect pairing is High Output Management by Andy Grove. High output management is like the nuts and bolts of managing projects and leading others in the kind of like structural way. It's like how to win friends and influence people is the soft side. High output management is the structural side. And what's amazing is they're both timeless. How to win friends and influence people is written in the 1930s. It's almost 100 years old and it's still spot on. And Andy Grove wrote high output management at the peak of Intel, the chip makers, uh, powers in the 80s. Um, And again, 30, 40 plus years ago, still is true today. Recommend both of those. Of course, other ways you can learn, this podcast we have here today, you can read our blogs, uh, getlighthouse.com slash blog, or you can participate in one of our Lighthouse Lessons programs where we send you bite-sized lessons via email once a week for 10 to 12 weeks, and we'll teach you one concept like how to be a great coach or the basic fundamental mindsets of being a manager or what you need to learn to level up to become a senior leader or how to master remote management. We have these different courses that we open up cohorts for every couple of months. And so if you sign up for one of those, you don't have time to read a book, there's a great way to cheat code that. So there's lots of different ways to learn. You should experiment and see what works for you. And the more you can build a habit and routine around it, the better off you're going to be. Are you tired of sending your managers to training that they get nothing out of? Do you find yourself panic checking email and Slack when you're supposed to be listening to that facilitator? We all know we should invest in the growth and development of our leaders, but all day seminars with PowerPoints and stale donuts are not cutting it in 2022. That's why we made Lighthouse Lessons. We've taken training and learning and given it a totally different approach. Instead of spending all day in a seminar, we send your managers actionable bite-sized lessons via email that take 20 minutes to review and give them ways to immediately apply them directly to their teams. We also give you a discussion agenda so you can meet with your managers and replace trust falls and role-playing with actually talking with each other to build bonds, support each other, and talk about real leadership situations at your company. All this is available to you at a fraction of the cost of traditional trainers. So find out for yourself and sign up to learn about our programs managers have called more practical than my MBA on topics including for new managers, for rising senior leaders, mastering remote management, and coaching to drive great performance. Find them all at grouplessons.getlighthouse.com now. And then once you are becoming a regular learner, you want to become a regular coach to your team. You set the bar, you set the standard, and you help your team know how they're actually doing. Because if you don't say anything, I don't know if I'm doing a great job or not. And there's nothing worse than getting a surprise at review time when you think you're doing a great job and it turns out you're kind of not. You don't want to surprise your team and the only way to not surprise them is to give them regular feedback and give them praise when they're doing a good job. And so the how of becoming a coach is about giving effective feedback that they'll hear and act on. And so if you go back to episode three, you'll hear my favorite approach, the prepare, listen, act model. And as mentioned earlier, we have a great episode coming up with Mike Pretlove, which we'll be talking about another great technique uh, that also is awesome for giving feedback. But equally important to being a good coach 
if you've ever watched, you know, any sports, you know that coaches don't just give feedback on, oh, your technique's a little off or, hey, your mechanics need fixed. They also praise their team when they do a good job. Are you doing that? Statistically, people are much more likely to quit their jobs if they're not praised in the last week. So you should be trying to find at least one good thing you can tell your team they're doing a good job at every single week. That's just a great habit to build. And of course, the other thing is you only have so much time in the day. And so there's a concept called task-relevant maturity that you want to master, which tells you that the less someone is experienced and skilled in an area, the more hands-on as a coach you want to be. Check in all the time with them. Give them frameworks. Teach them concepts. Give them things to read to help them learn. That's what you do when they have low task-relevant maturity. But when they're very good at something and they're cruising and you know they're experienced at it, you can be very hands-off. Set some basic milestones and goals. Have them check in and let you know you're there if they need help. But otherwise, stay out of the way. And then just if you see something good in that work, praise them. That's how you become a great coach. You build those habits around giving feedback when needed and making it effective and detailed and giving praise when they do a good job so they know what they what you want to see more of. And then finally, finally, the last skill you want to learn as someone who's embraced a growth mindset is to identify future leaders because a great leader sees around corners. They see trouble when it's brewing, not when it's already here and it's causing devastating problems. It's like when you see... Uh, a dead skunk in the middle of the road. You don't want to run it over because that causes an even bigger problem. Well, if you just veer around it safely, then you know you smell the skunk for a second and that's it. You run it over and now your whole car smells like a skunk. A good leader sees around corners and, and navigates and plans for it, whether it's a good or a bad thing. And so if you do a good job, you need to recognize that you're going to get a bigger team. Managers who do a great job with three or four direct reports will soon wake up and find themselves with seven or eight or even nine or 10 direct reports. And by the time you have nine or 10 direct reports, it is too late to start developing leaders. You need to start that conversation of developing people when you have, say, four or five direct reports. Who has an interest in becoming a leader? Who has an interest in management? Especially if you're an engineering manager, you need to be aware of the fact that a lot of engineers have no interest in management. You couldn't pay them enough money to deal with people problems. They want to code. And so if you think about it, let's say your team's growing from five to 10 in the next year. If you talk to all five and none of them want to be a manager, then the best thing you can do is one of the next five hires is somebody who does have that affinity. And now it's something you literally interview for. So they'll come in, get comfortable with the code base for six to 12 months, and then become a manager of a team that they've worked side by side on. That is how you become a skilled leader who sees around corners. At the same time, if one of those first five engineers, one of them says, you know, I would like to try that. Well, now you can give them opportunities to get a taste and a trial of what it's like to be a manager. Hey, can they manage a summer intern? Because you are going to bring in a couple of engineering interns for the summer. Have them manage one. See if they like it. Or you could have them lead a project. You know, have them do the tech lead kind of responsibilities for a smaller project. Again, see if they like some of this stuff that isn't just uh, coding. Or if you're in a different kind of role, maybe there's a presentation that needs to be given. Can you have them take the lead on it and you just give them feedback? Or can you can you have them do some type of mentoring responsibility like, hey, you're an expert in this. I want you to mentor this team member to help them become great at it. And so you have them do a little bit of coaching and mentoring. Again, all things that let them dip their toe in the water before you have to give them the full responsibilities of becoming an actual manager. That way they can safely back out without having to change their job title because it's a lot more awkward if you give them the job and they say three months in, I hate this, and you got to revert. No, no, no. Give them a trial 
while you have time. And then by the time you're at seven, eight, nine, ten 10 employees and you need to start having managers under you, you know exactly who it is and they've had a chance to try it and you know they're good at it and you maybe even coach them up through a few scenarios. That is how you become an excellent leader that everyone looks to and says, wow, he's always ready for the next challenge. So if you want to be a great leader, remember the three big things that you want to do is have a growth mindset and think think ahead on how you need to develop skills for yourself and your team and become a regular learner. You need to teach your team and your self-time management skills to manage your mindset, your attitude, and become a multiplier. And you need to develop your soft skills. That means effective one-on-ones that are not status updates and instead are spent on important other topics. It means you're an effective listener who hears what your team has to say and asks great what and how questions and that you learn how to get buy-in by learning what your team is concerned about and what they like so that you're never surprised by their pushback and that you can better navigate what you need to do when you need to make changes. And so I realized this was a lot we covered and I'm excited that you've made it this far to hear all these things. And so we have way more for you to listen to and learn on the subject throughout the rest of the season. We'll be covering some of these topics in more detail and please check the further reading because we're going to have a whole bunch of links for you to even more on these subjects. So you can go deep on any of these nine areas we talked about that are really important. And so this has been the Creating High Performing Teams podcast. And I am Jason Evanish, the host. And I hope you enjoyed this deep dive on the most important skills for a manager to learn. And if you have any questions, please reach out. Thanks. Thanks.